0: Welcome to the Karis Christian Center Podcast. We've been talking about grace, and I'm gonna talk today about the manifold, the many-sided, the many-faceted grace of God. And you all, as believers, have a gift of God's grace, or probably several gifts of God's grace working in you. And I believe that we become more effective as ministers, more effective as believers, when we understand our grace gifts. So I want you to turn to your Bible if you have it, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, and it says this, as every man has received the gift, every born again believer has received the gift. If you know Jesus, you have received the gift. He says, even so, minister the same One to another, every member has received a gift. Every member is a minister of the gift he has received as good stewards of the manifold of the many-faceted grace of God. When I was thinking about the many-faceted grace of God, I thought, first of all, there's grace for salvation. How many of you are glad that you got saved, that you believed on Jesus. There's grace for salvation, and we're so glad that there was grace. Most of us are wise enough to know that without Jesus, we wouldn't be anything, right? And so it's the grace of Jesus that saved us, but there's also grace for sanctification, and the Bible actually says this in 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 18 it says grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There's not only grace for salvation, there's grace for sanctification. And there's grace as we look at this he says as you've all received this gift so minister, right? Another word for minister is serve. The greatest ministers are the greatest servants. Jesus is the greatest minister and he's also the greatest servant. He came not to be served, he said, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. He says, so he says, minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold of the many-sided, of the many-faceted grace of God. So I want you to think about grace in three ways today. Grace for salvation, grace for sanctification, and grace for Service, all those areas. In fact, when we define grace, we define grace as, first of all, divine favor or unmerited favor, that by which we're saved. We define grace, secondly, Strong's defines it this way, the Greek word charis, you're at charis Christian center today. We define, uh, Strong's defines that word as the divine influence on the heart and its reflection in the life right? Sanctification. Praise God. It's in your heart, but it's to your life. So salvation, sanctification, but then service. I love this scripture in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10, where Paul says, I am what I am by the grace of God. And he said, and the grace bestowed upon me was not in vain, for I labored more abundantly than they all. And then he said, yet it wasn't me, but it's the grace of God that is with me. Don't ever think it's just about you. It's not about you. It's really about Jesus. Amen? Now, when we think about the grace for salvation, Ephesians 2.8, most of you know this scripture, through verse 10, says this, "...for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God." not by works lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good, notice that word good, works, which he before, and you study this out in the Greek, it means before the foundation of the world, God had a good plan for your life, before ordained that we should walk in them. So we see grace for salvation. You're saved by grace through faith. God made grace available when Jesus died and rose again. You heard the gospel, right? You heard the message of grace, the message of Jesus, right? And you believed it. So it may, it, it, God made salvation available through grace, amen? Salvation became a reality when you believed it, right? In your own personal life. So that's salvation by grace. And notice he says we're saved by grace through faith, That not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. And then he says, you're his workmanship created unto good works, right? The second aspect of it is sanctification. When Jesus is working in you, he not only wants to work in you, he wants to work through you. God gave me a word during worship, and he says, I'm faithful to perform the word that I've spoken to you and spoken through you. Amen, God's spoken some words to you. You in turn have spoken that word. God says, I'm faithful to perform that word. So keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep believing the word that he's spoken to you and keep allowing him to speak that word through you. That's a little extra, thank God for it. But notice he says, we're created unto good works. Notice that works, it's talking about works of service, salvation, sanctification, and service. So it's right there. Salvation by grace. Titus chapter 3 verse 5 says, it's not by works of righteousness which we have done that we're saved, but he he says by his mercy he saved us and washed us with the washing of regeneration and renewing in the Holy Ghost. Did you ever go out to start your car in the morning and it went, and it needed a new battery, Right? or a new generator or alternator we call. It need regenerated. Amen. Praise God. Well that's what happened to you when you got saved. Spiritually speaking, you got regenerated. You got regeneed. You got reborn and you have the genealogy of Jesus in you as a believer. Amen. God didn't fix you up; He made you brand new. Praise God! It's not a self-help program that we're talking about. We're talking about being born again, being born of God. We're talking about a work of the grace of God. It's salvation. The second aspect of this that we talk about is sanctification. I'd like you to turn with me to this scripture in Titus chapter two, uh, Titus chapter two, verse eleven. Through verse 14. Titus 2 verse 11 through verse 14 it says this for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. What's that talking about? The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. You got it. It's talking about Jesus. Grace has appeared to all men. John says it this way in John 1, verse 14. He says, The Word was made flesh, and we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the embodiment of grace. Jesus who brings salvation. Salvation is only given in one name under heaven, the name of Jesus. So he says, Jesus appeared to all men who brings salvation. He taught us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Jesus teaches us how to live right in a world that's wrong. How I many of you have figured out the world's kind of messed up? I mean, you don't have to look very far to see that the world doesn't think right in a lot of areas because they don't know him. But when you know Jesus, he opens your eyes. And when you renew your mind in the word, but Jesus teaches us. That's what we call sanctification, to deny ungodliness, worldly lusts, live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world. Verse 13, looking for that blessed hope. How many of you looking for Jesus to come again? I'm glad our hope's in Jesus. Hallelujah. He says, the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, He says in verse 14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem or purchase us from all iniquity or rebellion and purify to himself a peculiar people, his own special people. Zealous of good works. Right? You see that? Good works, right? So, Salvation, the grace of God that brings salvation, has appeared to all men. He taught us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. That's sanctification. And He's given Himself to purify to Himself a special people, His own special people, zealous of good works or works of service. Amen? So we see grace for salvation, sanctification, and service. Now, We quoted that scripture, 2 Peter 3, verse 18, says, grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I believe when you get to know him, he teaches you. In fact, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10 and verse 11 talks about when we have this new covenant, this covenant, we won't need that any man teach us, right? But we'll know him from the inside, We'll know the voice of God. You can know the voice of God. And Christianity, see, Romans 14, 17 says it this way. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. It's living from the inside out. In fact, Jesse Duplantis made this amazing statement. I've had him preach here for the last 11 years once a year. And this thing he said over the years just stuck with me. And so after he was here just last Sunday night, I had him go and we recorded two television broadcasts and we talked about this statement. He said, most of the time in the realm of faith, I made a decision and God backed it. So when I talked about him, he said, well, when you understand that we're a new creation and Christ is living in us and we make a decision... Out of our born again spirit, out of our new spirit, praise God. God backs that because really it's not it, it's His spirit in us; it's His desire in us. Psalm thirty seven four says it this way: Delight yourself in the Lord; He'll give you the desires of your heart. John fifteen seven says it this way: If you abide in me, Jesus said, and my words abide in you, you you shall ask what you will. What you want. What do you want? I'm not talking about in your flesh. I'm not talking about emotionally in your soul. But I'm talking about down deep inside where the Spirit of God is living in you as a new creation. Most of the time in the realm of faith, I made a decision and God backed it. Why? Because the Spirit of Christ is living in you And he puts his desires on the inside of you. Amen? So when you follow that born-again nature, when you follow the... See, so many people are living by their emotions, or living by their physical senses, rather than living by the Spirit. But the Bible says as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Galatians 5.18 says, if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the lot. Again, it's not these... It's a desire on the inside. So, learn to live by your spirit. Amen? And see how much you get done in the realm of God's kingdom. Amen? It's an amazing thing. So, we have grace for salvation, we have grace for sanctification, and we have grace for service. Praise God, works of service. People zealous of good works. We want to do what's right because it's God living in us and we're following the desire of the Spirit of God in the Spirit. Job said it this way, there is a spirit in man. The inspiration of the Almighty gives him understanding. But this third aspect I want to talk about today, I want to talk about grace for service. I believe that we're all servants of Jesus. We're all children of God, right? But we're also servants and and we want to do works of service. Now, Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4, and I want to read this because when we think about grace gifts, there are really three kinds of grace gifts that the New Testament talks about. First of all, there are the ministry gifts. They're given by Jesus to the church. And in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, uh, Paul talks about what those five gifts are that Jesus has given to the church. But I want to take you just a little bit uh, before that, and I want to begin in verse 7, Ephesians 4, verse 7. Notice what it says. It says, unto every one of us, unto every one of us, is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Every one of you, if you are born again, You have the grace of Jesus working in you, and you have grace gifts. He says, wherefore, he says, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive. Do you know Jesus stripped the devil of his power? And the only power the devil has over you as a believer is deception. So if you can break his deception, you can break his power. Hallelujah. In your life, if you can break the deception, he says, he took captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now, he that ascended, what is it? But he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. So he's talking about Jesus. He came to the earth. He lived sinless, holy, and perfect, right? He died on the cross for our sins. He went to the grave. He conquered the devil. And then he ascended into heaven, right? Notice what he says. He that descended also is the same in verse 10 that ascended far above all heavens that he might fulfill all things, that he might carry out all things. And here's how he's doing it he gave some. These are the five ministry gifts. And notice it specifically says some. So not everybody is a fivefold, has a public preaching and teaching ministry office. But you're all called to minister. I'm I making sense. For instance, Pastor Lawson wouldn't want to be pastoring unless Jesus gave him the anointing to pastor, first of all, and I wouldn't want to be pastoring in a place that Jesus didn't call me to minister. I wouldn't want to do this if Jesus didn't call me to do it. And I started out pastoring when I was 23 years old. I became a full-time pastor right before I turned 24. So how does a 23-year-old pastor have anything to say to some 80-year-old Pentecostal person that's been filled with the Holy Ghost for 60 years? The grace of Jesus. And listen, as a 23, 24, 25-year-old young man, I had some good things to say to some people that were Much older and probably much wiser than me, because it wasn't me, it was the grace of God that was with me. And we all need to learn how to rely on the grace of God. God forbid that we quit relying on the grace of God, and we think it's about us instead of Jesus. That's a bad condition. So, he he says this, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers... And an apostle is like a thumb on the hand, right? He works very closely with the other four. It's a foundational ministry. It means sent one in the Greek. And you know what? God is really, in the Roman culture, and the Bible was written during Roman times, the New Testament, right? In the Roman culture, the Romans would go take over a territory. But they found that they could not get the people in that territory uh, just to, to conform to their Roman culture unless they sent people, and and, and they'd send people who brought the Roman culture in, right, in business, in sports, and in different activities. And once they sent these people to bring in the Roman culture, right, then they would accept the Roman government. So what Paul's saying is apostles are like sent ones, and they're sent in to change the culture, and what we're really sent to do is we're sent to bring the culture of heaven to earth. And that's not only apostles, that's all believers. Praise God. And we're not to just submit to the world's culture. We're to have the culture of God in us. Then he says he sent some prophets. Now, a prophet is like your pointing finger. And a prophet, by definition, operates in two of, two of three of the gifts of revelation, the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning spirits. So that's a different aspect of the gifts, but a prophet will. He was called a seer in the Old Testament. And he gave some evangelists. Evangelists are like your middle finger. Notice my middle finger, it sticks out farther than the others. There's only one New Testament named evangelist, and that's Philip. The Bible says in the book of Acts that Philip, the evangelist, I think it said had four daughters that prophesied. But in, in Acts chapter 8, Philip went down to Samaria and preached Christ to them. And when they heard the demons come out, and when they saw the miracles that he did, they gave heed to what he spoke, and there was great joy in that city. So evangelist, by definition, preaches the, demon, the, the, the good news, and he demonstrates the good news. And then he gave some pastors, notice what it says, some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors. Now the pastors, like the ring finger. The pastor's married to the church. That's why as pastors, we're always talking about the church, the church, the church. Because we're very focused on the church. In fact, some have tried to take people and put them in the office of pastor who don't have the gift of pastor, and it doesn't work out very well. When somebody doesn't have a gift of pastor, and they try to put them, some are great teachers, and they try to put them in the office of pastor, but because they really don't have a heart for the church. Right? It doesn't work out that well. But the pastor is married. So you can be a a five-fold ministry office of a teacher without being a pastor. But if you're a pastor, you've got to teach so people can mature in your congregation, right? So the pastor is like the shepherd, right, of the flock. But we're under shepherds of Jesus, who's the great shepherd. He's the chief shepherd. Okay, then there's the teacher. The teacher's like a little finger. And a true Bible teacher takes hard things and makes them simple. So a true Bible teacher doesn't take things and, and make them more complicated, right? he doesn't take a half a verse here from the Old Testament and the Hebrew and a half a verse over here from the Greek somewhere and try to prove a doctrine that's hard. Listen, if I can't, I'm all for Hebrew and Greek study. I I know a little, okay. But if you can't prove it in English, it's probably not there. (laughs) And I'll tell you what, I've seen some people try to, you know, get some, wow, you're like, What's wrong with you? Just just read the Bible. It's pretty easy to understand. You know, but it's like kind of like going, well, Judas went out and hanged himself and go do likewise. That's taking a half a verse here and a half a verse there. That's not in the Bible. It's not biblical in any way. That's not in context. Amen? But people try to do that sometimes, biblically trying to, you know. But, but sometimes things that are really complicated can be made really simple. In fact, What I try to do when I teach is make things really simple. I don't try to make it complicated. I try to make it so simple that you can't misunderstand what I say. That's what I'm really trying to do. So he gave these five-fold ministry offices. Notice what he says. I really want you to focus on verse 7 and verse 12. Verse 7, he says, To every one of us, that's all the members of the body, is given grace. I might say grace, gifts according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Verse 12 says he, he gave this, here's how he's done it by sending these five-fold ministry gifts into the body for the perfecting, and I like to take that word perfecting, and say the maturing, the completing, the equipping of the saints. What I'm trying to do is mature, complete and equip the saints, for the work of the ministry, for works of service. Do you see that? For the building up of the body. See, because I believe if I do my job and all of us as fivefold ministry gifts do our job correctly, right? And I try to, throughout a year's time, have people who are gifted not only as pastors but also as prophets, also, right, as evangelists, right, also as teachers and apostles. I try to get all these different ministry gifts ministering to the body, Right? So he says he gave some of these apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to mature, to complete, to equip the saints to do works of service, the work of the ministry. So my goal is not just to have 5 full ministers. Right, My goal is that every one of you, every born-again believer would become a minister. And I think that if we don't do that, we are shorting the body. Now, one way I believe that we equip the the body to be more effective is to understand their grace gifts. So these ministry gifts are given by Jesus to the church, but we also have motivational gifts. Motivational gifts, I believe they're like personality traits. This is something I think I may be wrong. When I get to heaven, I guess if God doesn't show me different between now and then, he can talk to me about it then, but I really try to get it Right. But turn with me to Romans chapter 12, and I want to show you some verses. Uh, Beginning, notice what he says. and We're we're going to start in verse 3, but I want to show you a couple of things. He says in verse 1, see, the first 11 chapters of Romans talk about God's plan of righteousness and the revelation of righteousness for both Jews and Gentiles. But in in verse 1, he says, I want you to present your bodies a living sacrifice by the mercies of God, you can see it right there, by the grace of God, present in your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. You see that word service. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove out, that you may walk out what is the good, acceptable, and complete. Perfect will of God. Now look at verse 3. For I say through the grace, notice, and I believe he's talking about a grace gift. Through the grace gift given to me to every man who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he should think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. I would like to submit to you, in context, when Paul says that God has dealt to every man. The measure of faith in context, he's talking about grace gifts. I don't want you to be arrogant, I don't want you to be lifted up in pride, but I want you to realize that every person in the body has been given grace gifts a place to operate in faith. You can, when you understand what the grace is on your life, it's easier for your faith to work in that area now. Look at just the context, okay? I understand there's different aspects of faith. I understand there's natural faith like a farmer has planted a field. There's saving faith that God gives you to get saved when you hear the gospel and believe it. There's also the fruit of faith that's in your spirit when you get born again. That's the spirit of Christ in you. And there's also a gift of faith, right? A special, amazing gift of faith that God gives, right? The Holy Spirit gives. So I understand there's this, but I think when he's talking about the God has dealt, to every person the measure of faith. In context, he's talking about grace gifts. Look at the next verse. He says, for, for we have many members in one body, but all members don't have the same office. We might say, we have members, many members in one body, but every member doesn't have the same function. Okay? So if I'm having a problem with my tooth, right? I don't go over to Bob Helms to, to, you know, get, you know, he's a mechanic, an auto mechanic, to get my tooth worked on. He'd be like me with my kids. I'd take the pliers and jerk it out of there, you know. You'd much rather go to a dentist when you need a dentist, right? And you go to specific offices for specific functions, right? <laughs> so we, we, we do different things. We go to different, there's different people that have different giftings, different anointings. And together we complete one another. He says, we being being many members have not the the same office. Now, I'd like to say, first of all, every member has positive value. Every member in the body is valuable. We need to understand. We we can't do it on our own. We need everybody. We need one another in the body. I love Romans 14 where it talks about, he he says in Romans chapter 14, he's talking about No man, one translation says it this way, no man is an island. In other words, you're all affecting somebody and somebody is affecting you. It's Romans 14, 7 through 14. And and one, he he says, and I I have to just turn off, forgive me, I have to turn over here in the the King James and get it. He says in verse 7, none of us lives to himself and no man dies to himself. One translation of that says, No man is an island. You're affecting somebody, and somebody's affecting you. You may think what you're doing isn't affecting somebody, but you're affecting other people. In fact, we had one of our guys, and he was sharing in men's fellowship, and he said, well, if somebody gets into sexual sin, it affects at least nine people. I'm going to tell you, if some people get in sexual sin, it could affect thousands and thousands of people in a negative way, depending on where, where they're at in life. So... You know, you just want, their, sin is stupid. You just don't want to go there, right? But, but anyway, he, he just nobody's an island. Now, he says, we have many members, one body. All our members have not the same function. We being many are one body in Christ and every one members of, of another. So if it affects your body and it hurts your body in one place, it hurts the other part. So, so I'll give you an example in the physical body. Paul talks about it that way in 1 Corinthians 12. But you, you may not think anything about your little toe. In fact, you, you may go months and not think anything about your little toe. But some night you walk in and you have the lights off and you kick the bedpost with your little toe. And all of a sudden, right, your whole body is focused on your little toe. And you know what? Your little toe is necessary for the balance of your body. You need every aspect of your body. God made different aspects of your body to do... And some of them aren't as visible as others, but they're still necessary, and they're still important. And if we don't have them, it hurts us. And if they hurt, right? We need each other. And, and he goes on and says this. Look at verse 6. Having then gifts differing. They're differing according to the grace. According to the... We have different gifts, and it's because according to the grace that's on our life, that's given to us. Now, this is my opinion. I'm going to just say this plainly. It's my opinion. I may be wrong. I have been wrong before. I could be wrong about this. But I personally believe that these Romans 12 gifts are motivational. It's kind of like how God made us up to be, how we're motivated, how we're built. I believe that God created everybody to succeed. I don't believe that God made any, And so I believe when you're born on this earth that you have certain personality traits that God made you with. And if you can find out what those are, that will help you be more successful in life. The world has done it, right, in, in business, right? And they've, they have these tests, and they'll put you in one, two, three, or four quadrants. I believe really it's these grace gifts It's motivations that are given by God. That's what I think. I may be wrong, right? It's kind of like noses. Everybody has one, like opinions. It's my opinion. Usually has a couple holes in it. But I think God the Father made you with grace gifts, and when you find out what those grace gifts are, it makes you more effective in life, right? Now, I'll explain myself. He says, whether prophecy. Now, prophecy is right here a motivational gift, a prophet in Ephesians chapter 4 is a ministry gift, and those are only some. And, and, and then there's the, the manifestation of prophecy that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 through verse 10. It's listed as one of the one of the motivate or one of the manifestations of the Spirit, gifts of the Spirit. He says, Let us prophesy according to the proportion of our faith. Now I think prophetic people, right, with this motivation, they're kind of people that keep people in order. They're kind of like black and white people. Like, you know what? The spirit of slap came all over me. I just want to slap. Andrew Womack says that. I, I, I think Andrew Womack, in some cases, has a little bit of a prophetic motion uh, motivation. I think Pastor Lawson does too. Um, now, we have, to, we have to, the way we get these kind of these motivations, because they'll kind of put you out there, the way we knock the edge off of them was through, is through the fruit of the spirit. But I think we need prophetic people. We need people sometimes to come tell us, listen, you're missing it, and you just need to get it right. Now, you don't want to go to the wrong people with that. You want to know that you have that right to speak into their life at that point. But we need some people sometimes to just tell us how it is. Right? Now, he, he goes on. He says, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith or ministry. Now, what's ministry? I think it's talking about service, gifts of helps. We have over 300 volunteers in this church, right? And we call them impact teams. And we could not do what we do at Caris Christian Center and be effective. Chrissy's over here. She's over my volunteers. She's saying, that's right, without all of these people who are serving, right, in different areas. Impact groups. We all make impacts through different ways that God has gifted us. And, you know, really a great way to get connected in the church is find a place where you can serve. And you'll get to know people. They can pray for you. They can help you. You need to know some people. You can't just be out there on your own. You can, but it's not good. It's not healthy. Right? You need to be connected somewhere. All right? So serving. People that have a gift to serve. There's a lady up at Karis Bible College she went up I went up there one time. She said, "What?" Well, I said, "I'd like this." And every time I've come since then, she just goes right over, she starts making my drink. She makes it exactly. You know, she probably serves hundreds of people and she knows exactly what I want. She has a gift to serve. It's a gift from God. It's a ministry of helps. It's like a hand, right? Prophetic is like black and white. Right now, he says this or teaching, let him let him wait on his teaching. Now, you can be in my opinion have a motivation to be a teacher without being a five-fold ministry gift of a teacher. Jesus gave some teachers, but this is talking about, I believe, the way the Father gives. Now, teachers, right? God gives this gift. And here's my example. When I was in high school, I had teachers, and I knew they had a gift to teach. And I knew they didn't know Jesus. But they had a gift to teach. And it came from God. In fact, if you study history, there are some people who didn't really have an outward relationship with God. But they did some amazing things for humanity. And you know, if you figure that out, that God was working through them. God does that. Praise God. He's God, not us, okay? I believe God's given everybody these gifts, teaching on teaching. Now, he that exhorts. An exhorter is a person that always sees life right side up they're always encouraging cheering you on praise God who's one in the body of Christ that a lot of people know Joel Osteen Aaron went to Joel's church for seven years while I went to Rice University. I said Aaron if you're going to go to Joel's church figure out how to build a great big church and come tell me how to do it praise God and you know what we've taken some pages out of Joel's book now some people don't like Joel because Joel is Joel in fact, there was a man that he met Aaron one of the first Sundays he went there. He'd seen Aaron on another ministry venue on a stage, and he, he saw Aaron there. He said, listen, I'm going to reserve a seat for you here. Every Sunday you come, you sit with me. And he, he, he was a partner with us for a long time. And he said, Pastor Lawson reminds me of Pastor John Osteen. I said, wow, that is a nice compliment. <laughs> and listen, Pastor Lawson isn't like Joel is. Amen. Once in a while, I'll tell you how the cow eats cabbage. But don't get mad at Joel for being Joel because Joel is Joel. Amen? And God wired him that way. God made him that way. Okay, so just let people be who they are, who God made them to be. Joel is more like his mama than his daddy. And I got thought on very good authority, okay? Now, he says, or giving. Let him do it with simplicity. Now, I believe God gives some people a special gift to give. And I believe with that gift is a special gift to make money, okay? I believe God wants you all to prosper. I believe there's promises that you can all believe, and I believe it works for everybody. But at the same point in time, I think some people have a specific gifting in the area of finances. When they have that, most people, if they know them very well, or if they don't understand the giftings, they'll say, all they think about, all they talk about is money, money, money. In fact, I have been accused. I have people get really mad. That church has so much money. <laughs> well, you know what? We wouldn't be in this building if we didn't prepare because God, when we bought this building, we had to pay cash. And you know what? It came up. We had, it, it had to be done in 30 days. And you know what? We were prepared ahead of time because we obeyed what the Lord said. But that's part of just operating in who you are. I've had people get mad. at Don't get mad at me. It's Jesus. I blame it on the Lord. Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. He says, listen, just because, don't blame us for this abundance. Don't blame us. It's Jesus. We couldn't do it if it wasn't for him. Blame it on Jesus. Blame all the good on Jesus, okay? All right, let's go on. He says, he that rules or he who administrates, let him do it with diligence. There are people who have a God-given gift of administration. We recently... Uh, have a person that came on to staff. His name is Damon Peterson. Damon worked at Andrew Womack Ministries for years and years. Uh, David Hardesty, who was the chief operating officer for a number of years, saw Damon in the prayer uh, center, saw what he was doing. And he said, Damon, I want you to come run the accounting department. And Damon ran that apartment, department for years. And I mean, it was, they had like no, almost zero turnover. I mean, it was amazing how well he administrated his department. In fact, I was at a meeting of a bunch of pastors from different churches a while back, and I was sitting with a pastor from a reformed church and a pastor from a four-square church. And as I was sitting there with these pastors, they asked me, they said, is there anything we could pray for you? I said, yeah, I need some help in administration in staffing. So they prayed for me. I was driving home that day, and the Lord said, call Damon Peterson. So that was on Tuesday. On Wednesday, I came home a little bit early because we have church Wednesday night. I called Damon. He said, come over. I went over and sat down, talked to him an hour, hour and a half. He came out the next day. I think he talked to Tanya, my helper, hallelujah, my assistant, for several hours. Is that correct? A while, anyway. And he figured out a bunch of things. And so uh, I asked him later. Thursday or Friday, I said, Well, have you talked to Renee, your wife? Are you going to come? He said, No, but listen, the Bible says we need to help those who need help, and you need help, so we're going to come. And it's just brought our team in a completely different place. And it's something that we've been needing for a long time. But now we have Aaron, uh, Pastor Aaron, he's my administrative pastor. He's over all the pastors. We have Nate Carter. Nate, wave your hand back there. He's over all of our tech and TV. And then we have Damon, and he's over all of our office, all all of our finances, over all of our um, HR, and it's just brought us to a different place. I feel like a load has been lifted. I'm like, thank you, Jesus, not a day too soon. (laughs) Amen? But thank God for people. And Damon actually told me when he came to work for me. He said, Lawson, the only spiritual gift that I know that I have is administration. And I know when God gave it to me or when he recognized it. Sometimes it could be you had it, but you just didn't recognize it. Amen? Hallelujah. So that's that's another gift. He that administrates or rules, but he that shows mercy. You ever see one of those people, they just got love oozing out of them. I mean, there's people that are just being yucky and they'll go, oh, we just love you, honey. It's okay. You want to know, I want to slap the snot out of them. That's the difference between a prophet and a mercy person. You notice they're on exact opposites of the scale. And you got this encourager right in the middle with this big smile. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know what? We need them all. We need all the gifts. We need all the people. We need all the different things functioning, right? Because it makes the body more effective at ministry. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, there's one other area, and I'm going to go really fast and just show you a, a couple of scriptures in 1 Corinthians. Corinthians. Chapter 12, I want you to look at verse 4 through verse 7, and then we'll read verse 11. There are differences of gifts. This is the nine manifestations of the Spirit. They're given by the Holy Spirit, but the same Spirit. They're listed in verse 8 through verse 10. There are three gifts of revelation, three gifts of power, and three gifts of inspiration or gifts that speak. There are differences of ministrations in verse 5, but the same Lord, I believe that's Jesus. There are five of those. That's in Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 11, and there are different ways that we operate, differences of operations. I believe that's Romans chapter 12, verse 8 through 10, where we just read, but it's the same God. I believe they're given by God the Father who works all in all. In other words, God works in everybody. You just got to see God. But notice what he says in verse 7 about these manifestations, these nine manifestations or operations of the Holy Spirit is given to every person to profit with all. These gifts, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the discerning of spirits, the gift of faith, the working of miracles, the gifts of healings, the gift of prophecy, the gift of tongues, the interpretation of gifts, it's given. Every born-again believer who's baptized in the Holy Spirit has one or more of these gifts in operation. In fact, I was just in Jacksonville, Florida, And I prayed for a lady last time. I forgot last time I was there. She said, you came in January of 2020, right before the pandemic. And she said, I'd had pain in my back for 10 years. And you laid hands on me and prayed for me. And she said, that pain began to leave then and it completely left and it's never been back. She brought a whole bunch of people, praise God. And while I was preaching, God gave me a couple words of knowledge and I shared them. And one of them was her. husband. They jumped up and ran forward and people were visibly being healed. And one of the people that was there, a former Bible school student from Thailand, she asked me, she said, do you you operate in any of those gifts? And I said, yeah, I've probably operated in all nine of them at different times. Now, guess what? I don't control when they operate. And I'm not the giver. The Holy Spirit is the giver. And the Holy Spirit controls how they operate. I can put myself in a place to be used by the Holy Spirit. But I cannot control them. Now I want to show you something. Look at verse 11. All these works that one and self same Spirit, dividing to every man. If you're born again and baptized in the Holy Spirit, you got at least one, but He'll let you operate in several. But I'm going to give you an example. They operate, right? Right? By him, they're given by him, you should desire them. You should covet them. That's a strong word. But they also operate at his will. Now, Andrew Womack is my mentor. Andrew Womack has raised at least three people from the dead. All right? Now, Andrew Womack has not raised everybody from the dead who he's been called on to pray for who needed to be raised from the dead. And by his own confession, I have heard him say this. He said, if it's there, it happens. If it's not there, it doesn't happen. (laughs) Now that shows me that there is a gift of the Holy Spirit in operation. And it also shows me that he is not in control of the operation of that gift. This was also brought up after first service. A person that prayed for me for a very close friend over 25 years ago said, I realized when we prayed for him that that man had sent his will to go be with Jesus. And sometimes you don't know where somebody's will is. They may be saying one thing with their mouth, but another thing in their mind, they've already given their self. Right? So you, it's... God will not override someone's will. So I don't believe He'd allow you to override someone's will. He gives everybody a free will. I'll give you an example in my own life. My father struggled with epilepsy. And he told my mother, he was 40 years old, he said, listen, I am tired of living, I am tired of fighting, and I want to go be with the Lord. And my mom was praying Psalm 91 over our family every day. And two weeks later, and if you would have looked at my dad, you would have thought he's more healthy than me standing right here. Less than two weeks later, he had a seizure and went home to be with Jesus. Now, he set his will to go. I know other people that set their will to go. And you might be mad at them, but listen... It's between them and Jesus. And sometimes you don't know where somebody is in their own heart, in their own soul, right? So I'm doing my best to believe God, but I understand, for instance, in the realm of faith, there's natural faith, a farmer planting a field, believes for a harvest. There's saving faith that God gives you to be saved when you hear the gospel. There's the fruit of faith, right, which every born-again believer has in their spirit, right? But there's also the gift of faith, and that's beyond your natural faith. Now, Lester Sumrall, or Roberts, Kenneth E. Hagen, all said this. They said if you're gonna, if somebody is gonna be raised from the dead, they need two gifts in operation at one time for that to happen. They need the gift of faith and the working of miracles. Amen. I'm just saying that we've seen some amazing things, right? Well, it's, it's amazing what we've seen. It's amazing some of the miracles that we've seen. But I also know that a lot of times it's not my power. I know all times it's not my power. It's not my ability. Amen? It's His power. It's His ability. So I'm just trying to put myself in a place where He can move through me. Whether it's the Father and that different motivation we've been given, whether it's Jesus and the ministry gifts, or whether it's the Holy Spirit and the manifestations of the Spirit. But if we're going to be good stewards of the grace of God, we need to allow the Spirit of God to move through us. Amen? And allow the gifts. As every man has received the gift. You've all, as born-again believers, received gifts. Amen? So let him minister as good stewards of the many sided grace of God. Thank you for listening to the Caris Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.carischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.